from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. from the path we're coming from the pathway studios here in johnson proper oh yes i am here my name is mike yeah okay so we're, we're, we got to keep this thing moving uh, here's what i want to and this is none of your business it's not your business but this is what happened is uh for uh, again things that aren't your problem i destroyed the studio yeah. a number of weeks ago the stuff was everywhere cables and, and and stuff all over the place and so we got here a couple hours early and said uh, well hour 15 said hey, we're gonna straighten this place out uh, how long has it been? Four hours. Okay, it's been a long time. So <laughs> it was uh, overdue. Yeah, and and, and Mike's got some. Mike's going to be out of town coming up, and so here's what we we, we were determined to put a show on. Nathaniel's got to be up, like up for work. I think in like six hours, and and so we're going to get some in. Yeah. So here's what we're, we got: two things on the docket and two things only. Nathaniel is going to say something redeeming about the Lord. He's up for number one. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to do some advice, general populist advice for number two, and then we're going to cut out of here. Yeah. So I, it's weird to think that we're putting on a show and we're doing you a favor by cutting it low, but that's exactly what we're going to do today. I'm ready. Okay. So uh, f- first things first, uh, Nathaniel, say something redeeming about Jesus. <laughs> Go. Uh, so yesterday I was reading the Bible. Hold on. I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I was reading the Bible and I was reading uh, Esther 4. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Esther 4. I sound kind of echoey, don't I? Is that no. just me? Yeah, that's just you. I echo. This is the worst radio ever. Oh, sorry. The diet life from the path. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyways. Is your name Legion? I don't. No. What do I sound Me. Me. What do I sound like? <laughs> me. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> anyway, so I was reading Esther 4, and uh, in Esther 4, uh, Mordecai tells Esther, uh, if you're familiar with the story, he says, hey, uh, you need to go talk to the king because all the Jews are going to die, yo. And uh, she's all like, oh, you know, the king in the in the scepter and all that. And he's like, well, uh, you can't get out of it uh, because the Lord's going to save the Jews anyhow. Uh-huh. So uh, if you don't go, say it'll come from somewhere else. And uh, you and your father's house will come to a demise. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, then I started reading Revelation 4 and 5. And... Uh, in that, it gives a, a depiction of the throne room of God, and you know, there's got these uh, creatures and holy, 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 and all this stuff. And I was thinking to myself, self, you know, this, God's gonna be praised. Yep. You know, it's it's gonna be it's it's happening it's right work. now. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's not coming from us, it's coming from somewhere else. Just like Mordecai was saying to Esther, you know, if we're not doing it, someone else is doing it because God's gonna get it done because that's His will. Yeah. So. We might as well do it. Yeah, the question is, is whether you want to be a part of this thing or not. Exactly. Right? I, I, I think that's one of the hardest things um, to grasp onto. Because, like, when you first meet Jesus, like, it, 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 even if you don't mean to, you're looking to see what God's going to produce for you or, like, how he's going to change your life, you know, and, and what he's going to do. And, like, I, I think after a while, you start going, I just want to be a part of whatever God's going to do because I think it's going to be awesome. Right? And the more you get to see God do something, you're like, what a gift to just be a part of it, right? You're no longer like, 
uh, send me. Like, I mean, still, uh, we still want Isaiah, right? Like, here I am, Lord, use me, but like not, I'm going to be the one that's going to change this. I'm going to be the one that talks to a thousand people. I'm going to go mission in 17 different countries. I'm going to start a church. I'm going to whatever, right? Like, you start to lose that after a while, and you're like, but God, I, I just, I, I know you're doing something cool. I just feel like I really want to be a part of it, <laughs> you know, and to that same tune, um, you know, like we, we kind of run past it anymore, but like you hear every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And like, that's not, it sounds great. You know, where you're like, everyone will come to know the Lord. And, and, and basically what God's saying there is, is like, whether you want to bow or not, I am God. I need you to hear that. So either you're going to bow willingly or you're going to bow because you're you're going to end up doing it either way. Yep. So so God's inviting you in, and He always does this, right? He always invites you in it, to be a part of what He's doing, and it really just becomes a humility thing that goes, do you want to be a part of this thing or not? Right? Like you take yourself off the throne and go, God's going to do something cool. I want to be a part of it. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because that starts to address... Uh, so I don't know the big, big things with how people think about notions of free will and uh, th- like, well, uh, if it wasn't Judas, like like God's whole plan would have blown up. I'm like it, it, it would happen. <laughs> like however this is, go- however things are going to get done, it's it's difficult for us to say. In one hand, God expects you to do, he calls you to things and he expects you to do them. And on the other hand, say his will will ultimately be done whether you participate or not. Um, but it is true. That's what Mordecai is saying. Like the very conundrum that we sit here and, and kind of wring our hands about Mordecai is saying, this will happen. God made a, made a, a covenant promise. Our, our people will not be wiped out. I'm not worried about it happening. What I'm worried about is you and your participation in it. Whether you want, which, which side of that participation do you want to be on? Do you want to be part of the promise potentially, or do you want to be on the other end of God keeping it? Um, which may not be good for you and your father's household. Yeah. I was reading this Fran Chan book recently. It's a, it's a marriage book they wrote. It's, I forget what it's called exactly. It's something like You and Me Forever or something mm-hmm. something goofy like that. The Perfect that. Asian Marriage by Fran Chan. Yeah. Well, but, kind of, <laughs> but also not really because the whole like premise of the book is that he starts off the book by saying your spouse is going to stand in front of God someday. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and it's like, wow, I would, I what say, am I going to do about it? I would say, Yahweh, this is the one I was telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to eat from the tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is the woman you gave me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is the one you gave me. <laughs> so he's, he was kind of like, I, not necessarily knocking, but he, he was knocking for sure. Uh, all these books about like, you know, six ways to communicate with your partner and, and things like that. And it's like, yeah, no, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you need to love God more and that will solve all those things. <laughs> Emma, did you have something? I feel like whenever I try to think about like, um, like if you didn't do this, it was going to happen anyways. Then you start getting into like God knows everything and it's going to happen, and then that just misses my head. Like I know this is going to happen and it's going to happen, but it might not, or it's going to anyways, and it just it gets yeah. all. Emma's wandered into me. the great the the great reform debate of if God knows it, doesn't that mean it's written down? Which means it has to occur. Yes. Right, or, like or it already happened, so then it was to God's glory anyhow. Yeah, yeah. I, I sinned. How, how did God use it mm-hmm. to his glory? Grace, how is it like a chair? <laughs> did you say it's like a chair? <laughs> I really, yes, I did. Okay. Like, like if one guy looks at the chair and says, that's a chair, and another guy looks in and is like, no, that's a plate of broccoli. It's a chair. It's not a plate of broccoli. It's no. going to be a chair anyway. <laughs> 
It's not going to be a plate of broccoli. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that really does speak to like the perspective, as if you look at things like, and and we struggle with that. Like obviously nowadays with a lot of things that we're talking about, like you can call things ten different things. God called them what he wanted to call them, defined them how he wanted to define them, and said, look, this is the way that my world works. And whether you want to take that in or not, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's hard, right? Look, we talked about that, and we were talking about that in, um, uh, with our youth group at some point. Like, like, here's the deal. If God has called you, um, you can ignore that for so long. He's not going to leave you alone. He will continually send people in your life, and you'll know it, right? So, so like we were talking about, look, if you're ready for, um, uh, you, you know, talking about baptism, are you ready to, to, to pray and, and, and invite the Holy Spirit to be part of your life? If you're not digging on that today, or you're not feeling that today, just know that, like, the good news has been given to you, and God is not going to give up. He's going to come after you the rest of your life. And just, just hear me that, like, when people start entering your life and bringing up Jesus and whatever— God doesn't give up on you. And so you can ignore it as long as you want, but it doesn't change the fact that God loves you, God wants you, and he will continue, and you have to fight to keep him away. And you'll look at, if you could look back at your life and see that happen um, after you've lived a bit, you can look back and see where God was coming after you, and you were stubbornly turning around going, no, that's pretty broccoli. That's definitely not the chair. <laughs> definitely not. So is the right, I'm, try, I'm trying to think the, the, the right way to vocalize this. Um, is it's wrong to think that God's, God's will for the world will fall flat if you don't do anything. Like, you will not be the ruination of God's will. That's true. Mm -hmm. And that's Mordecai's point. Uh, Esther, you don't have to do, you don't have to do this. But if you don't, uh, God's will will be done. You just might not be involved in it. You and your father's house. Your answer will come to ruin. Yeah. 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 You're, You're at Adventureland, and there's the dude at the tornado... And he's he's saying the roller coaster's about to go, and you can either get on or not, but it's going to go. So you might as well go ahead and get on. And so, and so, and so the consequence, though, um, because think of from a church perspective, like a lot of things you would urge in your community or discipleship is to say, "Hey, man, you got to get on that coaster. You got to follow God's will. Uh, People, people need saved, and you need to go out and spread the, the word." And this guy could say, "Well, I mean, what you're telling me is." Maybe I don't get on the coaster, but everyone else is still going to go. Well, and that's probably the main point is like is is if you look throughout the entire um, story of the Bible, um, God is always accomplishing His means through His people, and and all the joy, not all the joy, but a good amount of the joy of being in relationship with God is Him inviting you in to do those things. Mm-hmm. So God's saying God, God's always doing two things at once. He's never just doing one thing, yeah. right? So He is saving other people or bringing the gospel to other people, but He's allowing it to to you to to do it through you to allow you to be part of that. And like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to speak Jesus into somebody's life and actually have it take hold and watch the Holy Spirit dwell within them and let them accept who Christ is and turn their life over to that. There's no better feeling, right? And so God is accomplishing multiple things where we can only think of one thing, one end, you know, God is, God is doing two or three things at one time, both through his people and towards his people. And like, we don't think like that because we're not a deity, (laughs) right? That's just how God, how God does it. And so we, we look at the world and go, man, there's got to be a million moving pieces. And just to have this one in the right place at the right time. And then just have these things intersect. What a coincidence. And this is a crazy deal. And like, this is not a thing for a God who created the world, right? It's not a complex problem for him. It's just a thing that he's doing. Look at, look at uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? The, the story of the Ethiopian yep. eunuch. Uh, he'd, he'd been in Jerusalem for the, uh, whatever, treasury uh, conference, and uh, he's doing his thing. I wonder how many Christians he ran across that time that God was saying, hey, talk to this eunuch guy. 
and they all said, eh, I don't, maybe that's something, you know, no, I don't think so. I mean, we're just making it up. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. you reading and Isaiah? And so he's going back home. It. Yeah. And then finally he said, okay, nobody did it, so uh, Philip, uh, head on out to the desert because I'm going to get this done, and nobody else did it. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that happened. Maybe they all. Maybe Philip was playing all along. I, I don't know. Can I add on to like the roller coaster analogy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of related. Like, like yeah, the roller coaster is going to go anyway, and you could just knock it on it. It's going to go. But yeah. but then you're not on the roller coaster, and you don't get to experience the fun of the roller coaster. And now you're just sitting there watching everyone else do them, and you're like, man, that looks fun. And you're not on the roller coaster, and it stinks. Right. Yeah. I think the one of the reasons it's hard for us to imagine it because. We can't even imagine how many different people might get on the roller coaster in our place. Like, it could be anybody. Right. And mm-hmm. we know, like, maybe we know someone's going to get on the empty seat, but we don't know who unless it's us. Then we know who. That's, that's true. Yeah. We're, we're caught up in the thought of what, uh, again, our limited mindset. If, if uh, we don't even think of the different ways in which God may work this out. And so, so we, we get bound by that. So like, it's, so it's, it's such an odd thing because like, if you want to, pre- it, it's weird to press the matter. There's a lot of, again, a lot of reform talk gets caught up in this and a lot of, re- frankly, reformers get accused of this, which is to say, if God knows everything and if he pre-say, if he, he decides who's saved and who isn't or knows who's going to be saved and who's not, and because he knows it, it has to be true uh, and it will happen that way, then why do I have to do anything? Mm-hmm. And like, what a crappy way to approach your understanding of dealing with the living God. If he yeah. says, hey, let me invite you into this. And you're like, well, why do I have to? You misunderstand the kingdom, sir. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know if he wants you in, in, in his presence permanently. If your attitude is, yeah, but do I have to? No, you you don't have to. <laughs> you should want to get on the roller coaster. That's right. That's right. Right. And because God said so. Right, it's like your it's like your your fun uncle shows up and be like, "Hey, man, we're gonna go mini golfing," and you're like, "Mini golfing with everybody else is lame, but mini golfing with Mark is awesome. We will definitely stop at three gas stations. He will definitely get fried chicken. We will eat it at the mini golf course, and we generally throw the balls at the at the, at the head of the clown man before we leave. Like it is a great time. Like these are the things God's inviting into. He's not saying, "I care that you get through the 18 hole. I want you to get through the 18 holes the way I would do it." Okay, Yo, okay. So here's the right way to, I think to to, to speak about this then it, it's the same way we in the show um we are we, people get caught up theologically in the conversation asking about the ends god is prescribing the means he says go so you go mm-hmm. uh maybe and it's not like hey nathaniel you need to go save a dude no he's like nathaniel you go because i told you to go I, it's not your prerogative as to whether a man gets saved through your efforts. Your right. efforts are just, God says, this is how we, this is what obedience looks like. These are the types of things. This is the way things work in my kingdom. You go and do that. The question isn't, well, if I don't go, will the man ever get saved? You're not in, you're not the ends person. That's right. Because we're trying to measure, right? What's the one thing David got in trouble for? Yeah. Measuring something that didn't belong to him. That's right. Like he took a census of God's, of God's army and said, I want to know how big our army is. And God goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not your army. You don't get to count things that don't belong to you. That's my army. And so David's big, big thing, well, David did a couple things, but one of the things that he got real big trouble for, <laughs> David got a, a reprimand was because he, 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 wanted, he wanted to know. He wanted to know the size of Israel's army because he wanted to be able to be in control of this thing. God goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not in your business to start measuring things. You don't worry about measurement, right? Like you don't worry about how many people you personally have brought to the Lord. If you're, if you're praying and asking and in God's word and doing what God is asking you to do. I just told a guy this week, like literally this week, I said, look, if God told you that every day you were going to go out and, and his will was for you to pick up the same piece of dog crap in a yard for the next 20 years, right? You smile and humbly say, God, thanks for inviting me into this, 
right? Because you have no idea what he's doing, and he's not going to tell you. Because every time he's told you, because he's done this, right? Like he shows you the ends, you try to shortcut him. You try to get there first. You try to skip a couple steps or try to get there the way that you wanted to get there. And God goes, no, no, no. I have a a thousand step plan here. You're on step 24. I'll give you 25 when you get done with 24. Because if I tell you a thousand, you'll just skip all the cool stuff I had for you all the way in there and just try to run to the end. And, And because we're humans, we always do that. That's right. You're not late for anything except for obedience. That's the only thing. Like, like the only, like that's just, just obedience in the next step. You're not late. You're never late for an outcome. God will handle the outcome. You're just going to, you're going to react faithfully. And so it doesn't, that's why, so, so stop pressing the reformed guy and saying, well, why do you, why do you evangelize if God already knows? I evangelize because God tells me to. I think the theology is wrong, but regardless, quit harassing the guy. He's going to evangelize because God told him to. It doesn't matter. The, the, the ends are, are not relevant. And, and so, so back to Mal- back to Malachi's point or um, uh, Mordecai's point. Mordecai. I got my M, my MIs uh, messed up. Though so back to Mordecai's point is that like God God has a promise; He will keep it. I have no understanding as to the means through which He keeps it. But you seem like a good route. Walk faithfully in the thing He has you potentially doing right now, because because that's what Mordecai says. Is like perhaps you you perhaps you're in this spot for a time such as this. Esther's in a rough spot. She spent some uh, improper nights with the king. Like she's not, she's not a practicing Jew. She's not doing anything that she's supposed to. And Mordecai's like, God can use it. Are you going to walk faithfully in it right now? That's your question. I don't care what happened up to this point. You've got a faithfulness to walk in right now. Are you going to do it? Uh, and and that was, and it's more about Esther than it is about the Jewish people at that moment in time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good thoughts. So how how do we walk in that well tomorrow? How do we walk well in that today? I, it, it's uh, actually, I think you just walk well in it today. That's it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not, it isn't when, when it comes to following Jesus faithfully, it's not ever really our role to have to think or, or plot. It's a plot. Plot's the right word for it. Um, you don't got to plot a year in advance or six months in advance. It's, it's just walking faithfulness. Like, what does it look like to be obedient to Jesus in this relationship today? I don't have to scheme. I don't have to plot. I don't have to come up with a master plan. My faithfulness are, are, are generally uncomplicated kind of things, simple things that everyone can do. Because God does the work in the simple obedience. It's not human cleverness that does any of this. And so um, sometimes we feel like, hey, uh, I don't, that's why Christian books drive me nuts. It's because they drive me nuts because there's a million of them on a shelf. And I'm like, you know what? Put it down. Put it down. Did you say hi to your neighbor? Did you care for them? Did you walk humbly with your God today? Did you, did you fight for justice? <laughs> you know, like, uh, did, you, did you weep with those who, 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 who are weeping? It, these are not hard things. Like, the, the, I, I don't know how to say, sorry for how plainly I'm going to say this, but like the dumbest guy you've ever met in your life can weep with those who weep. He can walk humbly with his God. Like the like the people like the the robes the robes fellows the robes priests who walked in the streets and were like, oh, I praise the Lord. Look at me. I wear the, I wear the cross necklace. I read all the Christian books. Right. Look at me. Yeah. Right. I just, I just like like we're always looking for we're looking for an angle. You don't need an it. You have you have the greatest angle ever. So just walk as like I, I, I my life is way more at risk of being too complicated and being too planned out than it is just walking faithfully. That's, that's way more my risk that like, I thought too long. I, I'm, I'm prone to this. I, th- I think too long trying to figure out the cleverest way to go about something instead of just doing it. Uh, I think I've told this on the, on the show before, but like, um, my father-in-law, uh, is, it, it does, does, uh, con- construction work. He's a contractor. And like, 
uh, I've spent like two hours on the ground figuring out how I'm going to pulley system a bunch of shingles up onto a roof. And this, this six-year-old dude will just put him on his back and walk him up there. He could walk him up in 30 minutes, but it was a lot of hard work. I, me, I didn't want to have to do hard work, and so I spent two hours trying to figure out how I can rig up something and drag him up there. And, like, it's that kind of thing. Uh, you know what we should be doing? Put the shingles on your back and just take them up the ladder. And do it over and over and over and over again. And whatever other simple task. Like, what's the easiest? Hey, how do we get these on the roof? Carry them up. Great. Done. And I, I think that our, our, we run the risk of the complication as opposed to just saying as walk, walking as faithfully and basically as you can in the steps of Jesus and interacting with other people and then just trusting that his methods are good, his heart is good. Um, and if you can walk faithfully in those, then his will will be accomplished. Yeah. Jesus didn't try to hire a wagon to carry the cross for him. He just carried it. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, he kind of... He was kind of surrounded by people. I don't know who he'd pay to. Who would pay to? I think that one guy did carry. Like Simon and Cyrene did carry. But to Emma's point, he did not hire our wagon. (laughs) (laughs) The wagon wagon came to him. Wagon. Can I I get a wagon? (laughs) Okay, you ready? Advice time. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. There, live from the path. I have been in a relationship for two years with a man I love very much. We're both in our early twenties. I have a house. He lives with his parents and is going to school. Mm-hmm. Last year, after living together for a few months due to COVID, I invited him to oh boy. I invited him to move in with me. Oh no. It took him five months to even give me an answer about whether he wanted to. It has now been eight months since he went back home to his parents. He says he will move in, but won't commit to giving me a date. I've been blown off by him for his family multiple times, and I know it's not something that'll ever change. I'm wondering if we'll last. Or if I should take a step back in the relationship. Yeah, let's take that step back. Yeah, uh, you've been together for two years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe sit back and think about that for a while. <laughs> like longer than two years. You should think about it even more. Yeah, you know, take a break. I don't know, each go out to your own little woods vacation and take some thinking time. Yeah, I, here's, the, okay, here's, the, here's the problem. Uh... One, your perspective on this is, is not working out for you, right? You asked a man to move in to, with you without a promise that he's going to be with you for the rest of his life. This is why we do, this is why we do marriage. This is why God puts so much effort and, and thought into it and says, look, do not give things away to people that don't promise you everything in return. This is why God set up marriage the way that it's supposed to be. And so he's not, if you have to drag a man into a relationship with you, he does not want to be in a relationship with you. And so you've either created a lie on how good that your relationship is, uh, or you're, you're purposely subverting your own relationship in the future. Yeah, like the notion of her question is, hey, I want to move too fast without proper grounding, and my man is hesitating. Are we going to last? No. Right. He's blown me off <laughs> for his family multiple times. Hold on a minute. You haven't made him a promise either. So he is with his family as he belongs, and until, until, someone, until someone says, I'm leaving my family and I will spend the rest of my life with you, then his place is with his family. That boy is still clinging That's, to his mama. And you should be clinging to yours, right? <laughs> yeah. Until you guys make some promises that say, look, I'm, if I'm going to get all in on this thing, I'm going to give you all of my emotional health, all of my physical health, all of my mental work, right? Like marriage is hard work. And you're going you're gonna to say, look, I'm giving this all to you and I promise I'm going to do this for the rest of my days. That, madam, is when you invite people to be part of your life forever. That's what that looks like. And anything less than that, you're selling yourself too cheaply. Yeah, and, and you're making it so you can't answer the question that you're asking. Correct. Right? Like, you want to make sure you can answer the question you're asking? Uh, you, you know, you get committed to relationships. 
and, and, and you marry, and then you don't have to go, will we last? You promised you would last. That's, you got that part. But this, yeah, you just, you, you, you've put all your eggs in the wrong basket, man. Agreed. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah she's, she's building her, her house on sand. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, take a step back and build it correctly. Yeah, and if it ain't with him, it ain't with him, right? We, only, we build in good ways. And if he doesn't want to build the way that you want to build or you're not on the same playing field, it's an equally yoked thing, right? Like, back it up. I think, actually, you're the one that's pushing a little hard here. Yeah. Although, I mean, two years? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to do this thing, I don't understand why dating is so long. I guess I dated my wife for a really long time. So, but I probably wasn't doing it right either. I was dilly-dallying around, and I didn't know any better. I think you'd, would you, do you know after two years if you're going to marry somebody? Dan, did you, how quickly would you say uh, you knew? Six months. Yeah. Yeah. We were married within 51 weeks of our first date. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I'm probably the real loser in this crowd. Okay, let's move on. I did the previous girlfriend three and a half years, though. Yeah. But that oh. was like high school. Did that you, did you, school. now, with, did you feel like six months in that that was the girl you were going to marry, Dan, at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so we, you're we taking both... Andy's leave within six months. I'm sorry, what? So, like, you, the, the first girl you thought you were going to marry, too. Oh, I did, yeah. But that was, a, you know, whatever, I don't know, sophomore in high school or something when okay. we started dating. So, okay. um, I also knew that would be in the future. And, and so it's a different perspective okay, gotcha. when okay. you start dating as an adult. Yeah, yeah. Nathaniel, how quickly with your lady, you think? Yeah, I think probably six months. Since you, since you asked her on a date or since you started leering at her from across the campus? Uh, probably on a date because okay. I leered at her for probably a solid, you know, eight months. <laughs> yeah, me too. But she, was, she was in high school. I was in college, so you know, just right. was, yeah. I just had to build up some some confidence. Yeah, you know, you're almost there, friend. <laughs> <laughs> almost. <laughs> All right. Secular says, if your boyfriend wanted to live with you, he wouldn't have gone back to live with his parents. If he wanted more of your company, he wouldn't blow you off. Holy cow. Uh, that might be a little too black and white. Yeah, unless you are a masochist, this romance with him won't last, and you should definitely take a step back in the relationship, if not step out of it entirely. Well, that's a little aggressive. I mean, yeah, you, you expect secular out of secular, so. Yeah. yeah. Secular feeds people what they want to hear. Yeah. No, that's true. You think, you th- yeah, Grace, do you think that she Other wanted, times she wanted to mean. hear a, a backup? Or she wanted to hear, yeah, this is going to work out just fine, just hold the fort. She wanted to know that she was right, no matter what. Yeah. No, that's true. Either way, in that, in that, in her answer, uh, she did give two options, both painted the dude as uh, a doofus. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. in love. I'm wonderful. I've offered everything. Yeah. He's a doofus. Yeah, he refuses to commit. Okay, got it. Okay, ready? One more. Yep. Oh. They're live from the path. <laughs> I'm wondering how to handle finding a hair in your food or on your plate while eating at home or even while eating at a friend's. Oh, yeah. I know how to handle it at home. Yeah, you yell at the dog. <laughs> Who let the dog in here? <laughs> or clip your nose hairs, Grandma. <laughs> I try to prevent it from happening by tugging gently at my hair, pulling out the loose ones, and brushing off my sleeves and shoulders before I start cooking. However, once or twice a month, my husband finds one and complains about it, sometimes loudly. Of course, I don't do it on purpose! Exclamation point. It embarrasses me and makes me feel horrible and defensive. Should he mention this or let it pass? If we were at a friend's house... I know he wouldn't say anything, and I wouldn't either, for fear of causing embarrassment. Well, you're, you're at home. Do you have a dog uh, to blame it on? Yeah. Wear a hairnet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. This has never bothered me. No. Uh, I assume it baked. What, I mean, it went through the oven like everything else. It's probably yeah. fine. I house full of ladies. I, I expect fine hair and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem at all. <laughs> all my friends have long hair. 
So everyone there's like food and hair all the time. They just pull it out and go nasty, and keep <laughs> yeah. eating. And you keep eating. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> there's no reason you can't call it what it is. You're like gross, a hair, and then you eat whatever it was. It's like a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> it's like an Easter egg. You could, in fact, it could jazz up your your dinner. You're like it's meatloaf surprise. Because most likely there's a hair in it. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a garnish when you can't find any. Like like a like garnish. Hey, where's, where's the cilantro at? Oh, I don't have any. <laughs> you remember when I had long hair? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I had long hair, I would always if it was one of the benefits of having long hair is if I found some hair in my food or whatever was out someplace, I'd say, uh, it's probably mine. <laughs> oh, right. Just go right it up. Probably mine. Blonde hair. Yeah, it's probably mine. You don't have to think about who in the kitchen is losing hair. Yeah. yeah. But it's what blonde. Is, my school yeah. lunch? I like to put it on my plate and move it around as if it's alive. Amen. <laughs> Something up with this one. It's a baby tapeworm. <laughs> like a nasty gummy worm? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, grody. I usually try to find the culprit and put it back on her head. <laughs> Say, hey, you lost hey, this. you lost this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just... Here, here's the thing. You just got to get over that. Now, if he's when you say he's bringing it up loudly... Like, like not whispering about it. Is it just you two eating? And he goes, "Hey, Barb, I got your, I got your curls in my spaghettios." Yeah, right. He's mid eating the thing. Your food. He's like, "There's hair in my food." <laughs> like he's like super cartoonish about it, or or, or, or like he makes a big stink. The steam come out of his ears. Because <laughs> like hair in the food. She seems like she might be so embarrassed. Like the fact that he didn't yeah. whisper it. Like if he just said, "Hey, man, found hair." In, in my breadsticks or whatever, like like she, like she might say that might be what she means. Like I'm not sure that he's actually getting mad. Yeah, she 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 could just offer to let him start cooking. That is what I handle. Maybe it's his hair. I, he probably doesn't have any. He sounds like a bald man. He does sound like one. She should get some uh, at home hairnets, like a lunch lady. I, would Why you not? ask your wife to wear a hairnet? No, no, I would never. That's yeah. a good way to get a slap. Yeah. But I don't care about hair in my food. I don't either. I don't know anyone that does. I but if it's like a big thing for him, you now, know, whatever. Would you, would you, have you guys ever found something like at a restaurant and brought it up? No. No. Have I hate you found it. one? Yes. And you just didn't For mention. sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't it's too much work. It. Yeah, it is. And frankly, if you make a stink about that hair, they're going to make you another one and hock a little bit. They're going to BM into your soup. <laughs> I don't think they're going to BM it. <laughs> and it's going to come from the same, you know, cauldron of soup. So it's like... I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I get me the hairless soup this yeah. time. We don't even have that, sir. <laughs> Make a new batch. Yeah, everything's a roll of the dice. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you do have to just like as a human, you just got to recognize when human things are happening. And like even even at a restaurant, like this happened. I mean, a fingernail might be like a different story or something because <laughs> that shouldn't be going on back there. But like somebody's hair, I'm just not super. You, do you know how many? Think of it this way. Think. Think of how many times you've been to a restaurant, and I've only seen, like, every once in a while, I'll see a guy with, like, a beard net, a net over his oh, beard. Yeah. Do you know how much beard hair you've eaten? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's got to be a crazy. You ask the Lord Jesus. He'll tell you when you get to share eternity with him. You say, Lord, just tell me. I just need to know how much beard hair, and he's like 85 pounds. Yeah. And no listen, doubt. I've been, a, I've been a dude a long time, and I go into the dude's room, and that beard net is still on. And so it gets whatever splashovers in there, whatever haka dudes in there coughing or whatever. Like it's, it's a mess in there. Beards are gross, and that dude's beard net is merely for show, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just like yeah. those people who work at the hospital that's supposed to change their booties out in between going into sterile area and sterile. Those guys will walk all the way out to the smoke pit, two blocks down the way, wearing the same booties, and roll right back into OR wearing the same booties. Yeah. And so this is all just to make you feel better. As the riffraff of the town, that yeah, I'm telling you, to you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, just uh, again, I want you to take this conversation, and I want you to apply it to all the thinking that you've had over the last year or so with some of these COVID masks and businesses. Just know that, like, ain't no one following what you think they're doing, 
and like no one's running it perfectly, and some guy probably peed on his own mask and still had it on. Like yeah. these are these are in bad shape. No one is doing what you think they're doing. You're doing all kinds of gross stuff that you just don't even think about. So just 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 keep your pants on about it. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Uh, I meant it was. It stands for bowel movement. When I said BMs, Mike. Yeah, I got that part. Okay, just you said it was in the soup, which means it's floating in there like a solid part of the soup, which is disgusting. I thought you meant like direct messages. I didn't mean like a, like, no. like a baby direct roof. Direct messages. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't mean like a lily pad. Uh, <laughs> what? Look, you need more fiber in your diet if you don't mean it look like a lily pad. <laughs> what are you? I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. But Dad said baby Ruth. Though. <laughs> it's like carrots. Okay, I mean we ain't eighty-five. Dan ain't no baby Ruth. <laughs> We're done with this. Put it away. <laughs> Here we go. Segular says, I'm disgusted. Segular says, finding, oh man, okay, I'm going to tell you a quick uh, story about my life. It's going to take 30 seconds. Is that related to, <laughs> to that Baby Ruth thing? It's related to the, to the they changed the hosting of the, of the Seculars. Oh. And so now the website that it's on refreshes every 10 seconds. So it oh. can pop up a McDonald's ad. And it's really causing me the business. So, so I apologize for my constant pausing. Here we go. If I can get through it. Secular uh, says, finding a foreign object in one's food, regardless of what, uh, regardless of what it is. A foreign object. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a rock. <laughs> I'm sure. That's true. That's different. There's a UFO in my food. Yeah. Yeah. There's a half a squirrel in here, fellas. This is gross. Find. Oh boy, this is gonna be. I don't know what we're gonna do. I can't. It won't stop. I can't. I can't finish it. The ad, regardless of what it is, can make someone lose his or her appetite. Because it happens regularly, consider preventing the problem as many professional chefs do while preparing food. Wear a hairnet, a scarf, or a hat while cooking. I've never seen Mario Batali with a hairnet. I don't know who that is. They've got those chef hats, though. Is that does the same thing? Yes. Yeah, that's they what it's the for. This like is where it too. takes a turn, though. So it says, or your husband could prepare his own meals. <laughs> I mean, if he's that upset about it. Well, here's the thing is both of these are petty, yeah. right? Like, you need to ignore the hair. Your wife cooked you a meal, uh, probably for your whole family, as she always does, and you show up with nothing but complaints. Uh, just eat the hair and shut your mouth. And then if you're going to make a big deal out of it, your wife goes, look, I suppose if you don't like the way that I do it, uh, then you can cook your own meal. But you could take any amount of precaution. Right? Can you put your hair in a ponytail? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You got it pretty much strapped down tight. Yeah. If it comes loose on the on the on the head end, it'll get stuck in the in the elastic holder that holds the rest of the hair. Yeah, Seems like a ponytail. I mean, this stop stuff. stop head banging into the stir fry or whatever. Like. Yeah, <laughs> it's not time to be listening to Pantera. You know what I'm saying? It's Michael Bolton time when you're cooking dinner. <laughs> I like to brush my hair while yeah. I cook. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm never gonna dance again. It's <laughs> not Michael Bolton. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's gonna understand this, but there's this there's this one there's this anim- anime that you know that all apparently the cool kids watch, and the entire way that the main character gets his like special powers. Is eating a magic power hair. <laughs> oh boy. It's ridiculous. Well, so you could convince this dude, uh, like, it's for magic power. You man. could float. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, from the impression I got from what she wrote, I don't feel like the guy's overreacting. I feel like he's probably doing what we would do and going, ew, a hair. Or, oh, look, a hair. And she's like, oh my goodness, you're so embarrassing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I got from it. Like, she might yeah. be a little on the sensitive side about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it, Ethel. Like, it's going to keep falling out. Just. It's gonna be fun. This is gonna be all be fun. Sometimes he does it loudly, though. Who's writes oh, these columns? <laughs> who I writes mean, these columns? Who isn't sensitive? Really? That's actually a solid point. <laughs> no one who would write into this uh, the secular uh, is already not sensitive. <laughs> I found a poo in my toilet. I'm so offended. <laughs> 
All right, you've been listening live from the path. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Don't even week. look with disdain at the crowd. You BM the soup not f- uh, five minutes ago. What do you mean? Yeah, you. It's just what popped into my head. <laughs> she could shave her head. This felt like a safe place. These are ideas. <laughs> That's what, what I'm saying. Yeah, do you love your husband or what? Boy, that would, I mean, that would really send him through the moon. Do you have butternut squash and your husband? Then shave your head. <laughs> hey, Nathaniel's take, he started with good Jesus stuff. He ended with the best advice of the night. <laughs> hey, you've been listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure when we're going to be back. Uh, we've got to, we got to retool the content of the show. Uh, I, I blame Nathaniel. And uh, I think Mike's going to be out of town. And uh, I, I have a beauty, beauty pageant. And uh, so we'll, we'll see you when we see you. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, you can give us comments at info at livefromthepath.org. Uh, Com? I don't remember the website. Yeah. Don't go there. I don't update it. I haven't touched that thing in like six months. Dot gov. Uh, hey, did we lose the Did we lose the complaint line? No, I'll oh. put it back up there. Hold on. We were cleaning up in here. Complaint line is uh, 515-517-0085. That's 515-517-0085. That's call or text. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, in the meantime, be faithful means God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>